Welcome to Web of Tomorrow. I'm Adam Garrett-Harris. This week we've got Jake Lingwell, who is the author of the Freelancer series, and his new book is Vagrants. And he's also a front-end software engineer at Domo. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, man. Good to be on. So what, what is your background in programming and, uh, and then also with writing? Yeah, so uh, I've been programming since college, basically. I always use computers for sure, but never actually learned how to code until college and then didn't really learn how to code in a way that people wanted me to until I got my job uh, after college. So I've just been doing front-end development, mostly just JavaScript and uh, HTML and CSS and all that good stuff ever since. So it's been about five years since I've been doing that full-time. So been at Domo the entire time, been loving it. It's uh, been treating me well. And then writing is something that I, I think I've always been interested in. Even as a kid, my favorite classes in school were like writing your own books and stuff. And I was a longtime listener to a, a number of writing podcasts. And about four years ago, decided I just kind of wanted to dive in and, and see if I was any good at it. Cool. You had classes on writing your own book? Uh, maybe not classes, but like, uh, I, I mean, I'm talking really, really young here in like fourth grade. Uh, my teacher, Mrs. Sherman, she would have us as part of our writing assignments. We'd have to like make our own storybooks and mm -hmm. we have to, it, she mixed in our art class too. And I remember like pumping out like five of them in the time that everyone else was writing <laughs> one. And I was like, dude, I love this. I have so many stories to tell and they were pretty low quality and they devolved into even lower quality as I started mixing in like classroom jokes and stuff about it. And I got actually got banned from reading my stories after, <laughs> about halfway through the year. But, uh, yeah, it's always been an interest. Good stories are, I mean, it's hard to put a price on a good story. So you, you said you have all these stories to tell. Where, where do you get those ideas? Where do those stories come from? I don't know, man. That's a, that's a good question. If I, if I could figure out where they came from, maybe I could, uh, pull out some of the better ideas from this, from the story <laughs> cloud, you know? Um, I, I pretty much always just have my computer all the time cause I'm always programming. If I'm not programming, I'm writing. And, uh, on my computer, there's a tab I leave open, just a Google doc called book ideas. And I just use it as like, you know, people used to carry on a little notebook and flip it open and write things down. I just, I just put all my ideas in there. And right now I think it's at like 47 pages, I think of just either uh, ideas or characters or funny phrases I heard or pretty much anything that I think of as like, Oh, that's interesting. I just put it in my book ideas book. Hmm. And then, uh, I listen to material about writing and sometimes that helps bring some of those ideas together. And before too long, you know, I have a, a decent story going. Nice. So, why don't you talk a little bit about your process? You kind of talked about the idea book. What 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 happens after that? Yeah, so uh, writing is, uh, you know, it it's uh, it's an interesting thing because it's it's both uh, similar to programming in a lot of ways, and then totally opposite in the other ways. And I, I think it's just it's a perfect complement for me, but. Uh, like kind of like when you're thinking about building an app or building a project on the web, you know, you think of an idea and then maybe you sketch it out with some mocks or something. And then you kind of do a, an MVP and you play with it a little bit and then you're like, okay, I kind of like this. Let me, you know, make it real, refactor my code or rewrite my code and make it something that's good. And then 
after that process for a while, you have something that ships, right? And I, it's actually mm. not, not too much different for writing a story. Um, I start with those notebook ideas and I write them all down and I've got, you know, those 47 pages and I combine some of them together into something I think might work. And then I personally start doing an outline where I'm, you know, mapping out the different things that people do in the story and the different plot events. And once I have the outline, which is kind of my mocks, then I start filling it in. And my, my first draft is kind of your MVP, uh, which is always the funnest, right? In both, in both programming and, uh, yeah. and in writing for sure. The first draft is, is what's really fun. And then after that, it kind of turns into, to more work. But, uh, after that, I have a I have a pretty unique process. Um, I I'll tell you a little bit about it a little later, but but essentially, I give it to some beta readers that pretty much everyone does, and I get some feedback from them about what what worked and what didn't work, and I gather that in a unique way, which is pretty cool. And then I uh, take that feedback, I do another draft, and then sometimes I repeat that process, more readers, another draft, and then. After that, I usually try to decide how I'm going to publish it, whether I want to self-publish it or try and sub it out to a, you know, a traditional New York publisher, the gatekeepers, or, um, you know, there's the publishing world right now is really more open than it was before. There's a lot of different options and a lot of different ways to do things. And so at that point I'll fill them out. I usually pay for some editing. I pay for some professional cover art. Um, and then I, uh, I publish it. So it's, it's kind of a long process. It usually takes about a, a year to get a good book out for me. Although, I mean, that's faster than a lot of writers. If you're a George R. R. Martin fan, for sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's much shorter than some of the, some of the unique indie author space right now, which is, I think something that would be pretty interesting to talk about later, just how some people churn books out and their marketing strategies and running it like a business and, almost almost like a TV show where they got to put out a new book every week. So, wow. Yeah. And that seems pretty fast for me for for someone who has a full-time job to crank out a book in a year. Yeah. Yeah, so my books aren't uh, you know, they're not Brandon Sanderson's, they're not they're not epic fantasies. I I would love to write them that long, but um my books are more like the length of, you know, the second or third Harry Potter books in word counts. It's about 60,000 words. So, okay. I mean, it's, it's not terrible. If you write 2,000 words a day for a month, you have a 60,000 word manuscript, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of the traditional starting point right now, or maybe not traditional, but there's a thing called NaNoWriMo that happens every November. And mm -hmm. this, is, this is actually how I wrote my first novel is I saw this and I thought, oh, I can write 2,000 words a day for 30 days. I can do that. And then I can check off my... I want to write a book, you know, bucket list item. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I saw that and it's really popular online they, and they have a great website. You can sign up, you can track your, your writing each day. And if you hit your goals, you can declare yourself a winner and you get a badge. And it's a really, it's a really encouraging community, um, which is something another thing it has in common with, you know, web developers. Most authors are always super happy to help, you know, more competition enter the marketplace. So um, yeah, NaNoWriMo, 30 days, 2,000 words a day. 2,000 words a day takes me about, I know, on good days where the words are just coming out, I can do it in about an hour and a half. And in bad days, or if I'm watching, you know, too much TV while I'm doing it, um, <laughs> you know, it can take me, you know, four or five hours to get out that many words. 
So not, not super easy, but, uh, it's amazing what you can do if you just, you know, commit to writing a little bit every day and, uh, tracking it has been a big thing that helps me. And so uh, how do you track it? Uh, I mean, keep plugging, you know, web apps here. It's just, I just use a, a Google spreadsheet. I've got four columns. One is a date that I've just filled in. And then one is the word count at the end of the day. So I just use Microsoft Word. And the bottom Microsoft Word, there's a word count. And so I just write what my word count was that day. And then it shows me, it does a difference against the previous day. It shows me how many words I wrote. And then I have another column that's my goal, which is 2,000 words a day. And I can track it. I usually get about 400 to 500 on weekdays, not too much. And then on week weekends, I put a little more time into it. I usually get about three or 4,000, which kind of makes up for the, okay. the lack of writing during the week. Pretty simple process. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that I think writing is, is a good complement to programming, especially at, at programming at big companies, you know, where there's process and there's uh, revision and time to release. And there's all these kind of barriers between, between things. Uh, when I'm writing though, it's, it's free, you know, I can do whatever I want. I get the same feeling of being productive that, that I kind of thrive on. And I just, I sit down and I type and when I'm done, I'm done. And it's really kind of in a way stress relieving coming from, you know, compiling languages to yeah, just throwing words down. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested in what tools you use. What you said you use Microsoft word. What else? Yeah. So man, the, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't believe how much stuff there is in, in being an, uh, an independent author these days. Uh, I mean the amount of tools that are available and websites and promotions and editors and people is just this huge ecosystem that, uh, I guess that's like a lot of marketplaces, right? You're not familiar with, you assume it's going to be simple. And then you look at it and you're like, wow, there are like 50 different bullet points of things I could use here or there mm-hmm. and all these different tools. Um, yeah. I really just, I use my Google docs for ideas. And then when I start on a book, I just use word and I just write it sequentially. So I take my outline, I write chapter one and then I write chapter two and I write chapter three. And it's, it's the kind of the least interesting part of the process is just writing it. And then, um, I I don't use too many other tools to write the actual story. I, I make another kind of another document that tracks things I need to fix when I go back and do a draft. Cause I don't, I don't like to, if I'm on chapter five and I, realize I need to change something chapter one. I don't like to go back right then. I just write it down. Yeah. I finish the story and then I fix chapter one on the next draft. So, I mean, it, the start of the entry, the entry fees on writing a story are so simple. I mean, you could use anything. I yeah. just use Microsoft word because it's, it's kind of the standard, you know, it's what I, what everyone grew up using kind of, and it's what I use now. And sometimes I'll mix in Google docs. If I'm writing, if I was sometimes if I can't sleep or I'm, you know, somewhere else, I'll, I'll write down some paragraphs just in a Google doc on my phone and then just copy and paste it into my manuscript later. So I'm pretty lightweight on those, on those initial writing tools. So as a programmer, are you tempted to bring in all sorts of tools like using version control or some different text editor or building yeah, you tool know, I, or something? I actually have done that quite a bit. And not necessarily in in the writing portion, because um, I find that Microsoft Word works fine. I mean, I'm sure I could use Vim if I had to 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 do my writing, but I'm a pretty horrible speller by default, so it does a good job of taking care of that for me. Yeah. But um, 
there are lots of different writing tools and apps you can use. There's some really interesting ones. Um, some of the popular ones, you can set like a, a word goal. Uh, you have to hit so many words per minute. Otherwise, it'll start deleting your words that you've written. So it's it's kind of it's interesting. I, I'm not sure that would work for me, but I get distracted too easy. But some writers are like, I can't focus. And then, then it starts threatening. It's going to start deleting my words. And they just I just keep typing and I don't stop. And I, I can write a novel in a week and a half <laughs> that way. So there are some really interesting tools out there. I, I do a lot more after I've written the story um, than I do uh, while I'm writing, but it's definitely an interesting space. And there's, there's definitely not a lack of engineers uh, that are writing stories because you can see these tools popping up all over, different writing aids and different simplified uh, web writing stuff. So it's... It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty interesting in all the tools that are there, but I'm kind of a guy, I find something that works and I kind of stick with that. So I haven't explored too far out there. I know Scrivener is the name of probably the second most popular writing tool. So it's an app that has kind of built in like plotting devices and character tracking and word goal tracking and stuff. So that is kind of the, the big player in the uh, desktop writing software that's specific for authors. But... I just, uh, I've taken a look at it a couple of times and word just works for me, but, uh, that's cool. One thing that I, I have built for myself, which is, um, the idea is it was going to be a, maybe a bigger project, but for now it's just a tool I use for myself. Um, it's actually a pretty good intersection of, of web development and, uh, data analytics, which I work at Domo and we're a data analytics company. So. I think in data in a lot of ways. And um, I, I built my own tool for beta readers, which I think is, is interesting because the, the idea behind it was if I give my book to my mom, she's going to tell me she loves it no matter what. Right. <laughs> and, and my little sister and they're like, Oh, it's so yeah. good. I love it. And I was like, well, you know, you're not really helpful and I should find other re author friends to, to, you know, people that are non-biased to rip my story apart for me. And I, I've done that a little bit, but I, I figured there had to be a way that I could use my, you know, my, my connections that I have in real life, people that like me and are willing to support me and get value out of it as a writer. So I wrote a little web app essentially that just does analytics on how people read my books. So when my mom reads my book now, I track when she's reading it, how fast she's reading it, how long she spends on each page, um, when she puts it down. Um, and what that does is that creates really interesting charts that I can look at and I can be like, hmm, my mom said she loved this chapter here, but she put the book down four times in the middle. <laughs> or, or, you know, she stopped reading for two weeks after she read this chapter. And so I've, I basically built a tool that's going to help me pull out critical stuff from my mom who would never tell it to me. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it, actually. It's worked really well for me, uh, especially when you start mixing in, you know, more people reading it. And you, you start to be able to do some really interesting charts. And, you know, the, the dream would be to, you know, compare that against how people read, you know, really popular books. Yeah. And then I, then I could tell, you know... It, at what point, uh, this is the, the Netflix analogy, right? They, they know exactly when 
or a viewer, if they reach it to a certain episode or a certain point in the series, that they're highly likely to finish the entire series. Yeah. And so Netflix, what they try to optimize their stories and their content so that that hook point is, is as soon as, as soon as possible. Mm. And so I've, I've done some similar stuff trying to identify where the hook point is in, in my stories, um, with having people reading it. And it's, it's very interesting. I think the intersection of art, taking the liberties to call my books art, and uh, you know, data and uh, new programming possibilities is just super fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There's so many books where or movies or shows where people say, "Well, you have to get at least as far into it before you get really get into it." And yeah, with books. That, that can be a lot of commitment. Like reading can be a lot of work to, to get that far and you're not sure if you like it yet. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. And, and the further, or further that is that you, people have to commit to your book before they like it, the least likely your book is to engage those readers and therefore sell. And the less sales you have, the less likely you're going to have you know, more people reading it and less reviews. And so it's, it's a bitter cycle. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You know, you hear it, you listen to these uh, podcasts and, and great writers talk and you read these writing books and they all talk about, you know, how the first chapter is supposed to be great. And it's like, yeah, you know, I get that. I'm supposed to, I know it's supposed to be great. You know, how can I tell if it is great? How can I tell if it's working? Yeah. You know, and in web development, we do like AB testing and we do analytics and we test out different strings and different home pages until we find something that's like, Oh, boom, there it's working. Engagement is finally up to where it needs to be. Yeah. And I, and I think the idea of doing that with a story is, is very interesting to me. I know that there are authors that, that see it purely as art and would, would say, you know, it's whatever the story, you know, that, that you shouldn't change your story based off of readers and expectations and stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm interested in entertaining people and having them like my books and telling the best story possible. And to me, you know, good stories are ones that people are engaged in. So I'm highly interested in the idea of using A-B testing and data to write a better story. Yeah. So was was your first book uh, Freelancer? Is that one you wrote during NaNoWriMo? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story. I, uh, what year was that now? I don't, I, 2013. Published, published 2015 is what it said on Goodreads. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I wrote it in November, which is NaNoWriMo 2013. And the, I started with my, I didn't quite have my, my book idea spreadsheet at that time, but I had, uh, you know, seen a lot of YA movies lately. So young adult movies, Hunger Games, Divergent, all those things. And kind of wanted to do something different and I wanted to write about some of my ideas about how the future would look with 3d printing and drones and the economy and um so I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna write about this um I had started a book before about six months before that and I had given up because um I didn't believe in it after I got into it a few weeks Mm -hmm. uh and so I was determined to finish it so I so I signed up did NaNoWriMo did 2,000 words a day um cranked through it you know, I was writing, I was writing during the football games and, and pie on Thanksgiving, trying to, trying to get my story finished, but I, I did it. I finished, I had 60,000 and like 25 words. So I, nice. my story, my story ended exactly on budget and on time. <laughs> um, and so I sent that off to my, my trusty beta readers, my mom and my little sister, and, uh, they read it 
and they said it was good. And I was like, well, of course you're going to say it's good because you're my mom and you love me. She's a great mom. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was kind of it. I was like, okay, I did it. I wrote this book. That's fine. I was still interested in writing, but, uh, you listen to these other stories about how people say you have to write a million words before you're any good at writing. And I was like a million words. That's, that's a lot of books. That's like 15 freelancers basically. Yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't touch it too much then. Um, you know, and sometimes still to this day, I, I go from writing a lot to programming more and I go back and forth, but I didn't touch freelancer at all. In fact, I assumed it would just be my, my, my checklist item. You know, I wrote this book, I'm done with it. Um, but then six months later, my little sister was like, Hey, you know, that, that book I've been thinking about freelancer, you know, at the time it was called, I think I had named it printed drones for 3d printed drones. Oh. I didn't, I didn't have a very good name. Um, but she, she started asking me about it and I was like, Oh, you know, that that's nice of you to ask about it. And then a couple months later she asked about it again and she was like, look, I've, I read a lot and I've, I've seen a lot of books and I actually think your story is pretty good. Like you should, you should have someone check it out. And I was like, okay, you know, that that's interesting. So I opened it up and I did an, another draft and I, I didn't quite know how to fix anything because I didn't know what any of the problems were. So I was just kind of guessing on how I could make the story better. And some people are naturals, you know, they're like the people that can, you know, play a piano by ear. They hear a song and they're like, oh yes, I can play it. Mm. And I don't, I'm definitely not that, that natural writer. So I'm still learning how to fix stories, but I did my best job. And then I sent freelancer, I renamed it freelancer at that point. And I sent it off to a few more people. Um, and they actually all gave me pretty positive feedback too. Um, and these were, these were still my friends and acquaintances, but they weren't my mom. So, you know, I, I give people a hard time. I was expecting to get some hard time back, but <laughs> they, they kind of liked it. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. And at this point it was, I think, maybe December of the next year where I was like, okay, I could do something with this. Um, and that's when Amazon launched a new program called Kindle scout, um, which I was really interested in. Um, the basic premise is that you submit your book to them and then they'll put it on their website where people can, can read the first, you know, three chapters or so. Um, and they, they put it up there and people read it. And if people like it, they'll nominate it. So they'll basically vote for it to get published. And then after 30 days on that service, they'll um, take a few more days and make a final decision on whether they want to basically give you a contract. And it, it's only, it's a contract for only eBooks. So they don't do any paperbacks. So they don't do anything like that, but you do get a little bit of money. I think the deal is $1,500. Uh, in an advance, which is, which is great, you know, $1,500 who can't use that much money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got really excited about that cause I was like, you know, traditional publishers, they're, they're probably not going to love it. And I sent it, I sent out to a few of them just in case, um, you know, in case one of the big, big, uh, tour random house or, you know, these really big publishers from New York wanted it. And, um, I sent it out and I kept watching Kindle scout for a couple months. And then when I, my book was rejected by the, the bigger firms. I was like, I'm going to put it on Kindle scout. I'm just, you know, I'm going to put it up. This will, if nothing else, be a way to get people I have no connection to, to read it and tell me if they like it. And so I, I put it on the Kindle scout campaign, which is like 30 days of, it was super stressful for me. Cause 
if you get votes, your book is in the hot and trending list. Hmm. And uh, so I was trying to, you know, round up votes, you know, get my family. I was at the time I was teaching uh, programming at a boot camp. And I was having my, my programming students vote for it. And <laughs> I was having people at work vote for it. I was you know, people at church, you know, every, anyone I could find, I was trying to convince them to vote for it. Um, you know, just trying to stay in the hot and trending and get as many votes as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it worked out at the end of 30, 30 days. Um, I got an email saying they had accepted it and they wanted to give me a contract and they were going to publish it. And I was, I was blown away. Nice. It was the first, first book I had ever finished. And I figured no one would ever read it, but you know, put some work into it and it, and it came out all right. And it was kind of funny because after the Kindle Scout process, and I've been in it a few years, I'm pretty sure their voting system is just a way to get you to drive fans to their website. <laughs> it's a viral, viral marketing strategy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is very smart. Hats off to them for doing it. But uh, they actually do have editors that read, um, read the entire book before they decide whether they want to offer you representation or not hmm. or give you a contract. So not only, I mean, someone liked it is what I'm trying to say. Someone at Amazon, one of their imprints, liked my book enough to give me a contract, which is which was a big accomplishment to me. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so then that was selected in, I think, March of 2015. And then at the time, for Kindle Scout, you have to submit a cover. And I just, I tried to make my own cover. It was in Sketch. I didn't even have Photoshop or Illustrator. I made it in Sketch. In Sketch? <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I, I was proud of it at the time, but it's not something I should be proud of. Um, but you know, Hey, it helped me win the Kindle scout campaign, but they, they were like, basically, you know, we need a new cover. And I said, okay, great. Can you guys do that for me? And they, they did. Thankfully they made me a new cover, which was awesome. It was kind of a, a matrixy thing with some eyes on it. Um, it was a little mm-hmm. weird. Didn't, didn't really like fit the book that much. Cause it's matrix implies kind of like darker simulation world villains and this is this is kind of a, a lighter YA story sure there's a civil war that breaks out and she does a lot of programming and she can you know step into immersive programming environments but it's not like anything super sinister or anything but uh, i ended up changing the cover again i commissioned some custom artwork for about a thousand dollars from a artist that had done some some work for some big name authors which is uh the current cover you can see now on amazon which is uh carrie the main character with some some small drones flying around her. Yeah. Yeah. I like that much better. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It, I wish I, if, if I could go back, I would definitely, um, have spent the money first. Um, because the covers are what sell books. Absolutely. Anyone that, anyone that says don't judge a book by a cover is wrong because everyone judges a book by a cover. So you have to have a good cover. Have to, have to, have to. But yeah, I mean, and, looking at the first cover, I wouldn't have known, uh, any better like it, it's a, it's a cool cover the second one is just so much better yeah yeah and there's there's some there's some ways it could go like the topography is a little a little light a little uninteresting you know if i were to do it now that i've been writing for f- f- well, a few years now i've got five books published and another one coming out on monday from the time we're recording this um so yeah i think i think what i what i know about the industry has changed a lot and like i said it's so much more advanced than just writing a story, especially if you're going to do self-publishing or uh, a hybrid publishing kind of like Kindle Scout represents. Um, so there's a lot there and it took me six months from being selected to being released. 
And then ever since it's kind of been out on the store. Um, I wrote two more in that freelancer series, finished it. They're all real pretty small books. Um, they've, I have a, I think 117 reviews right now with a 4.5 star average, which blows me away. And I, I've sold about 5,000 copies of freelancer total, I believe. Nice. So, uh, not an insignificant number. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not enough that, you know, I, I'm making money off of it. I think last month my check for freelancer was like $30 or something <laughs> like that. So, I mean, not a huge amount of money, but to think that there's 5,000 people out there in the world that have, have read my story and have, you know, experienced my, my hard work and hopefully a good portion of them enjoyed it. But even if they didn't, the, the research and the data on how narratives are so important to, you know, the way we see the world and we treat each other and everything about being human. Um, to think that my narrative has influenced 5,000 people. It's pretty crazy. Very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Books, books are one of the most influential things in my life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you can trace, you can trace stories back and just, you can, you can see the effects they've had on the world, you know, like, how uh, to kill a mockingbird changed the way that so many people viewed, you know, race relations in the country. And mm. I mean, there's just, there's so many examples of that throughout time and the importance of us, you know, passing down stories from generation to generation. And it's just, it's really cool. The, the power of narratives are something that I, I didn't realize were so like incredible back when I started writing, but like any good marketer now will be like, you know, you got to tell a story. Your product needs to tell a story. This advertisement needs to tell a story that people can connect to and empathize with. So it's just, yeah, books are, books are an awesome, awesome form of telling a story. So you mentioned in freelancer that you wanted to tell the story set in this, uh, setting with all this technology like drones and 3d printing. So I, I've had that same kind of impulse too, but my problem is that all I want to do is kind of the world building aspect and I have no characters, no plot. Hey, that doesn't sound too far off from my stories, man. Um, you know, it, it's, it's an art form and like any art form, you know, it's, it's a lot more work than you think. And you've got to train yourself a lot more than you think. But I agree with you. The world building by far is my favorite part. And, and most of my, you know, 40 page book idea is just really interesting worlds. And, uh, I have a hard time developing unique characters as well, but, uh, I like to think I'm getting better as I just practice, you know, practicing anything gets you better, hopefully. So did you, did you work on freelancer exclusively like the first three books without working on any other ideas at the same time? Um, that's a good question. I, I have my book idea list and, uh, sometimes, you know, the latest idea will get two or three pages of, of world building while I'm writing a story. In fact, I've, I'm just finishing a story now, um, which I haven't told anyone about the, the working title is Alec and, uh, I'm just finishing it now. And I actually stopped writing another book in the middle because this idea was, it was, taking so much of my mind naturally. Like I just wanted to keep world building it that I was like, if I don't write this thing, it's going to, it's going to seep into these other books where it does <laughs> not belong. But typically I, I try to just do one story at a time. In fact, the, the best thing you can do to learn how to write is just to finish a story. 
So that's why NaNoWriMo is so good because you start a story and you just finish it. Like even no matter how bad the first chapters are, how much work you need to do, you just finish it. And so that's typically what I like to do with my stories. I really only like to write one book at a time. Okay. I have a hard enough time trying to make my characters sound unique within a single story and trying to, trying to juggle that across stories is, is hard. Even, even when I finish writing one book and I start writing the next, say a month later, like I'll still by default be using characters from the, from the last book's name. Cause I'm just, I'm used to typing out their names kind of <laughs> in my muscle memory. Yeah. So I have to go through and check my, check my word document at the end, find and replace any, any characters from my last book. I mean, how, how do you find the, the motivation to focus on one thing at a time and to actually finish? You know, that's, that's the kind of the hard thing about doing anything, right? Like yeah. anything, anything of significant quality is just going to take a lot of work, you know, whether it's programming or it's, or it's writing. Like I, like I said earlier, they're similar in a lot of ways. And it is at a certain point, maybe there's people that just love every aspect of programming or they love every aspect of writing, you know, and they just, they can't get enough of, of first drafts and second drafts and third drafts and fourth drafts and fifth drafts. All of it are the same. Hmm. To me, I, there's definitely a diminishing return every time I have to read through my own book. So at first, the, doing the first draft is, like I said, it's fun. I really enjoy it. I unwind. I can write words. I can just tell stories. I can have a good time. That part is really easy. In fact, it, it takes very little dedication besides if I'm trying to hit a word goal. Like if I, if I have to hit 2000 words a day, that, that feels a little bit like work because mm-hmm. I have to hit my goal. But if I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to write today and I'm going to write till I want to stop and I write 500 words, you yeah, know, that's fine. That's fine. I do that all the time. But the determination, um, to keep going on like the third or fourth draft is hard. I mean, it, it feels like work sometimes as much as I don't want to say that, you know, it, it kind of feels like you're working for somebody and your new boss is this book and you're like, wait a minute, what have I done? Now I'm a, I'm a slave to my own, my own sunk costs on my story. Yeah. But, um, you know, deadlines help goals help, you know, little things help, especially as you're, as you're a newer writer, you know, every time someone leaves a, 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 a non malicious review, something that doesn't attack me personally for being such a horrible writer. Every time I get, uh, you know, a somewhat positive review, it's a little boost. I'm like, okay, someone's out there. Greg R from Amazon gave it four out of five stars and he said he liked my book. I mean, Greg R wants the sequel. I got to write it for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. I think another thing that really helps with that is managing the sizes of your projects. Okay. Like, I think, you know, if you read epic fantasy, there's a lot of writers, you know, um, Robert Jordan wrote 13, 13 novels in his story. And it's like, okay, I want to do that. I want to write 13, uh, 13 stories. I'm going to plan this huge thing out. And man, series are hard. They are hard. After you write the first book and you're like, oh, I got to write two more, let alone Mm. 12 more. Freelancer wasn't planned on being a series, was it? No, no, it was planned on being a standalone. In fact, uh, I, I would highly recommend if you're thinking about doing writing is this is, this is what publishers are looking for. They're looking for a standalone first novel with series potential. Okay. Yeah. Which is, which is a hard thing to do, but I, I think the readers enjoy it better. Books that are obviously planned as a series sometimes don't have satisfying endings. And I don't think that's really fair to readers. I don't, I don't do cliffhangers. I don't, hopefully we'll never do cliffhangers. 
I might if someone tells me I have to, but you know, I like writing stories that are complete and have their own message and their own theme and their own, you know, plot lines. So yeah, I, I wrote freelancer as an individual book and I didn't plan on doing a sequel until I got picked in Kindle scout. And then I was like, wow, Kindle scout, I could, this could really take off, you know, like Amazon is behind it. Mm-hmm. And I got a little, you know, starry eyed. I'm like, Whoa, the contract says if I don't make $25,000 back in the first five years, then I get the rights to my novel back for free automatically. And I'm like, $25,000. Wow. My book is going to be like $2. So that's going to be like 50,000 copies. You know what I'm So I'm like, well, 50,000 people read my book. I definitely want to give them a sequel. You know, it hasn't, hasn't turned out to be anywhere near that successful for me. Other under Kindle scout authors have. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I've sold about 5,000 copies, but you know, I wanted to, I wanted to tell another story for those people that supported my Kindle scout campaign. And, uh, it, it kind of, I had another idea that fit in the world really well. Um, something I wanted to write about, uh, the sequel is more focused on a kind of a group of hackers that they get together and trying to have their own hacker utopia type of thing. And that was just a fun idea. And yeah, the success of the first book getting chosen, pushed me into a, into a second book. And in the second book, I realized that that story wasn't going to tie up the the main character's story. Mm. And so there, so there had to be a third one. So that's where the trilogy came from for freelancer. And I'm glad I wrote them. I really, I really liked the story arcs over the whole trilogy. I like that they're all unique and they all have their own. They're all kind of self-containable. In fact, if you read the second one, um, you, you would probably not even know there was a first one before it really, because it, it explains its references back to its previous books when it's needed. And they're not, like I said, they're not super complex. They're, they're written for a young adult crowd. Okay. But, but yeah, it's a, that one was, that one grew from a standalone into a series. And the next book I wrote was called Epic Shift. And that was an idea that came from just camping in the mountains around my home. I was in a Canyon and I, I couldn't shake the idea of how cool it would be if there was, hundreds of thousands of people that lived in this Canyon, like, you know, giant Machu Picchu type of thing. And, and that, that led to combined with a few of my other ideas from my notebook about, uh, you know, colonizing another world and what happens, you know, if you, you know, you lose all your technology and then how your, your stories from one generation to the next are changed. And I started pulling all these together, these ideas and, I really like the idea of, of like phoenixes and I was like, phoenixes are cooler than dragons. Mm. I'm going to write a story with like a, a big fiery bird and all those ideas kind of came together and that, that became epic shift. And, um, I was really excited about it and I put it on Kindle scout. My first two books were published through Kindle scout. Um, they did not publish the third one because it turns out they decided they, they pretty much only like to do standalone novels and they didn't consider book three to be standalone. Oh. Um, so I self-published book three of the freelancer series, but I, I put Epic Shift up on Kindle Scout and I got way more votes than I did my first with my freelancer campaign. And I got way more hours hot and trending and they, they didn't pick it, hmm. which was, I mean, that's just how publishing works. You know, like I said, the editor probably read it and, and you know, the story didn't connect with him and, or it didn't fit their slots. You know, it's a fantasy novel and I previously wrote sci-fi and I've written sci-fi ever since. 
And so, you know, maybe it didn't fit uh, with that editor or didn't fit with their lineup at the time, but you know, it didn't get selected and that was kind of a bummer. And so I, I just put that one out. I self published it like a week after they rejected it because it has a really nice cover. Like the artwork was done by, uh, uh, I think some guy, some guy from Britain, I can't remember his name. Um, and I, I definitely paid for that way too soon. I should have waited until the, <laughs> the currency dropped a bit with Brexit, but, um, yeah, so that, that book was another story. I self-published it, and it only has, I think, 11 reviews. It's been out for a year. So I've only sold a couple hundred copies of that. Yeah. So that, that book has not been a success. In fact, I, I wanted to write that as a series. I wanted to write it as a, as a time-jumping series. Like, So I wanted the first books to be basically a 1,000 years after the crash, mm. and then I wanted the next books to be a couple hundred years after that. And I wanted to play with the ideas of, you know, the people from the first book are now the legends of the people in the second book mm. and kind of just do this, this cascading time thing, which I think is a really interesting idea, but you know, it just, it didn't sell any copies. It hasn't found a readership. Uh, I've done, I put it on free promotions a few times and it's been downloaded you know, a few thousand times, but it just doesn't seem to have connected with anybody. And so at this point I've moved on, you know, I, I, I don't plan on revisiting that world or that series again. Um, which is, which is an interesting decision, which kind of links back to your, your series question. Um, yeah, I'm not proud of it, but I cut, I cut off the story. I was like, I'm not passionate enough about this story now to write a sequel if, if no one wants to read it. So yeah, I have yeah. a, I have two, I have two series that are released and one of them is one book and will likely never get <laughs> another volume unless, unless I, you know, feel like just become really passionate about an idea in that world and I want to write it. But as of right now, I have, I have no intentions to visit it again. So, and then you have another one coming out really soon. Yeah. So I have a, I have a, this is a, another thing. Like I said, manage, manage the expectations of your series. Um, this one is called vagrants and it, it is going to be a three book series. And this is the one that really taught me that series are hard because I finished the first book and I'm really happy with it. I'm really excited about it. I think it's very cool. This is the first one that I really used my, my beta test, my beta reading app on where mm -hmm. I could follow people's data. And I use that to improve the story. And, uh, it just does some really, really cool things. The story I'm, I'm excited about. And, um, and I finished book one. I'm like, okay, I got to write book two and I got to write book three. And I, I've actually made the, the covers for them and I've, I put them up on Amazon for pre-order, but they're not, they're not finished yet. And now I'm like, Oh man, that's a lot of work ahead of me. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of work ahead of me. I've just given myself two, two book deadlines before I've even launched the first one. Yeah. So this one I'm committed to finishing because the, the story needs to be finished with three books. I can't cut it off like I did with my fantasy series, but, uh, yeah, I got a big launch coming up on Monday. Um, this one I'm totally self publishing. I didn't even send it to Kindle scout. Uh, I sent it to some publishers. Once again, they're not interested. And we can talk about the, the significance of that, I think, is, is something that's very interesting as well. Okay. But um, I'm self-publishing it. So um, it's going to be available on Amazon, Apple, Barnes & Noble, Google Books, Kobo, basically everywhere. And um, when you self-publish, you just have a lot more control over pricing and promotions and launch strategies and marketing. So this is the first book that I'm launching is in a planned launch. It's been on pre-order for a couple months. It has a, a strong number of pre-orders already. 
Um, on launch week, which is next week, I have a bunch of promotional websites and newsletters lined up. So this is kind of my first real self-publishing launch that uh, I think is probably going to be an educational experience. But my goal is to probably have about 20,000 downloads in the first week, which is way more ambitious yeah. than, than anything I've done before. So, so is this one a um, uh, young adult? No, this one is an adult book. I wrote it for an adult audience, and I mean the, the lines between those are, are are not as yeah as as solid as you think. Yeah, like, I, I read plenty of young adult. Yeah, yeah, young adult has like no content advisory. <laughs> like you can have anything in there, um, but it it generally has themes to do with like coming of age or dealing with parents or family or society. And it usually has younger protagonists, yeah. right? Usually teenage protagonists are the cutoff. But um, so, yeah, this one has like a 25 year old or 26 year old protagonist. So it's kind of out, outside that age range. And it's a little more adult. There's there's more violence. There's more death than my my previous books. Um, given given who I am and my background, it's, it's still fairly clean. So it might not be considered what some people think to be adult with, um, you know, lots of real world heavy language and, you know, uh, sex scenes and stuff like that. But this is my first book written for, you know, an older audience and it's got some pretty heavy stuff in there. This is the first book that I've written where, uh, there was a chapter, you know, I wrote it and I was like, man, that, that actually affected me. Like, like I felt, I felt kind of bad after I wrote it Oh man, <laughs> because not, not like, because it was, you know, like icky or goreography or something. It was just, you know, it's heavy stuff. Yeah. It's heavy stuff and it affected me. And I was like, wow, that's either a good sign or, or, or a really bad sign. But, um, based off of, you know, my, my scoring and my analytics and my app, people have responded to it very well, uh, or at least very powerfully. I don't say well, but you know, eliciting an emotional mm -hmm. reaction from some words you've written. Like if you think about that is something that is just wild, right? You're, you're like changing people's moods and their brains and their feelings based off some words you put down on a piece of paper. Yeah. It's, you don't, you don't do that with, uh, some lines of code whenever the, uh, your, your coworker <laughs> reads, reads your code. Hey, you know, I have coworkers that have been known to have very strong reactions to seeing my code. Most of it are tears or swear words, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something totally different. It's, uh. You know, I think you could get that in programming if you deliver someone like an incredible experience, you know, I think that, yeah. I think that it's possible, but man, yeah, totally different, totally different. So, so tell us about this Jacob Ling, Walling guy. <laughs> Jacob, Jacob Walling. Yeah. It looks someone... like he just came out with a book and, <laughs> uh, and you got a quote on the cover, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I did get the opportunity to cover quote on Jacob Walling who, uh, is quite the author character. He was someone that did a NaNoWriMo last year and mm. uh, wrote a book and maybe, I mean, I don't want to speak for him. I don't want to speak for Jacob Walling because I'm just Jake Lingwall. Um, but he wrote a book that maybe he wasn't super proud of, but he wrote it and he wanted to put it out and he thought it was funny. But other people might not think it was funny is what he told me. Mm. And so he just wanted to establish that under his own his own name. And I've, I've just been facilitating, facilitating that process for him by showing him the ropes, a little bit of self publishing. And, uh, you know, he has some really interesting reviews on that first one. Uh, a lot of interesting editorial reviews. Um, someone said it, said it better than I could. I, I read the book. I cover quoted my, I cover quoted, <laughs> I was cover quoted on the book. <laughs> um, 
saying that uh, it offended me on several levels. And a, a reader whose name I can't remember left an Amazon review for that that said it was trash, but beautiful trash. Mm, that's and the best I, kind of trash. Yeah, it's certainly my favorite kind of trash. So that was that was kind of fun to see. It's been it's been an interesting experience helping uh, Jacob Walling try to uh, to get off the ground in the publishing space. Nice. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to I'll have to keep an eye on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't have his own website, uh, so sometimes he posts content through mine, which is uh, jakenotjacob.com, In case there was any confusion, uh, there's not a whole lot there, but. Yeah, yeah that's, I, that's can, I can story. see the confusion. Yeah, yeah. Jacob Walling is uh, is not. You, I wouldn't call him an upcoming author. If there was the opposite of upcoming, as in somehow he was going to achieve less than he already has, then that's 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 Jacob Walling's future, I think. So, how can people find you online and uh, find your books? Uh, yeah, so people can find me online. I'm I'm not too hard to find. There's not very many Jake Lingwalls in the world. So uh, my freelancer books and my Epic Shift book are available exclusively on Amazon. Um, my new Vagrant story that's coming out um, is going to be available on all those digital ebook stores. And you can also order paperback copies of any of my books on Amazon. Um, so yeah, you can find me there. I tweet occasionally, usually about you know sports or something that's going on in my personal life. Not a great Twitter follow. And... Uh, then I have my website, Jake Not Jacob. I don't do too much there, but I do have a newsletter that I send updates, usually free copies of my books to everyone that's on the newsletter. Um, so if you're interested in, in seeing my stories, that's where you can find them. Um, like I said, Vagrance launches September 18th. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's a good story. I would absolutely love to hear from anybody that listened to this podcast. If you give Vagrance a try, I would love to have you tell me like, you know, some of those analytics things, like if you read it, you know, what you thought of it. If you read the first couple pages and couldn't get into it, I would love to absolutely hear it. See, hey, Jake, I listened, I listened to the podcast and, uh, you know, I read your first few pages and I couldn't get into it. I would, I would absolutely love to hear that. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for talking about uh, programming, writing, and uh, I definitely want to check out your new book. Oh, absolutely, man. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'd love to uh, love to talk writing anytime. And and as a closing thought, um, if if you're out there and you've considered writing a book, just just do it. Just put down a put down a few hundred words a day and do it consistently for a while, and just finish that first story. And you you probably won't regret it. You you likely won't make very much money from it, but I think you'll enjoy the experience. Yeah, and uh, NaNoWriMo is coming up pretty soon. Yeah, November. You should do it. You should sign up. Let me know if you're doing it. I'll I'll do it too. 